My name's John Mueller. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm going to pray to get us started this morning. Uh, one of the things I, I'd like to say before I pray, though, is this week, this last week, was a great time to reflect on how thankful we are for certain things. And I realized just in my own life how much has actually happened this year. And I just kind of was blown away at God's grace, his love, and to be a part of a, a caring, loving church family that also wants to pursue Jesus Christ together is a huge thing to be thankful for. So as we, as we think about today and we think about the holidays, that's something that not everyone gets to be a part of. So it's your opportunity this Christmas season to say, I'm going to invite a friend to church because they don't have this experience right now. They, maybe they don't know God. Maybe they don't have a loving church family. Whatever it is, but they don't have that opportunity. And you know what? What's the worst that can happen? No, I'm not going to come with you. That's not really that bad. Then you just still care for them and love on them. So let me, let me pray to get us started this morning. Heavenly Father, we ask as we, as we dig in your word in Matthew chapter 1, Lord, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to what's there in your word. That you'd allow us to see that sometimes the holidays is a, is a time where we're hurt and we're struggling but also, Lord, that you are the one that came to give us hope. Hope that things were going to change, that things were going to be different, and they are different. Thank you for the promise that came through a, a child born in a manger, in a stable. Thank you for that promise that came through him, that he was going to come to save all of us from our sins. Lord, we thank you for that this morning. We pray that, that your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts and our minds so that this week we can find ways to help other people that are hurting. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to welcome you here this morning. So if you have a turkey hangover, wake up, okay? Because turkey is supposed to make you sleep, I guess. That's, I took a nice nap on Thanksgiving. It was amazing. And it was a nap with, like, kids, though, so I wasn't really by myself. But um, today we're going to be in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. If you have our app, the link on the top of the feed, that you can click that. This week we're starting a new series called Hurt in the Holidays. Many people are hurt around the holidays or lonely, missing people that they don't get to see anymore. It's, it's, it's something that we don't all think about because many of us have very good experiences around Christmas and Thanksgiving, and the end of the year, and New Year's, and everything. So we're going to look at scripture passages this month that address this hurt, this, this things that happen as a result of Jesus' birth, things that are happening, and the characters that are involved. So today we're really going to talk about the hurt of unbelief. Christmas is called the most wonderful time of the year, right? Isn't that what it's called? And for many people it is. That's, that's really what it is. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I realize that sometimes that means you just give a million gifts and then you have it on your credit card till the next year. Because I just read that most people have debt from last Black Friday, which is kind of crazy. But think about this. There's also people that this is a time of hurt and pain because maybe they feel left out. Have you ever told someone about an experience you've had and they didn't believe you? I have. Have you ever had an experience that you've thought for certain it was right, and someone close to you didn't believe you. Let me give you an example. 
every time my wife said she's pregnant, four whole times, I said, there is no way, and I'm so cheap, usually, but I'm like, take another test, take five tests, I don't care how many tests, that's not right, <laughs> right? Guys, anyone identify with that? Come on, like, by the fourth kid, I'm like, no! I don't believe this, this can't happen. She would, it, actually, I originally wrote that, and I said the fourth time, and she's like, no, every time, honey. Okay. So maybe, or maybe it's like being the older sibling. You know, I've heard this many times. The older sibling gets blamed for everything, right? The older sibling is the problem. The younger sibling did nothing ever. In our family, it kind of goes pretty even. The siblings all get blamed for different things. But no matter who did it, it's the older sibling's fault. So what was your experience with this? Have you had ever had anyone tell you, I don't believe you? I don't believe you. If it's a stranger, it doesn't really hurt, right? You're just like, eh, okay, you don't believe me. Move on. But if, it's, but if it's someone close to you, it rocks you at your core. It hurts. It hurts so much. It's deep. So today, we are going to be look at a situation where this disbelief that happens, someone not believing someone, they go into protect mode and they try to figure out what they're going to do because they don't believe someone they love. We're going to look at Mary and Joseph. What Mary feels when Joseph doesn't believe her. She's got a miraculous message, but he won't believe one bit of it because guess what? I wouldn't believe it either. Right? You're, I, mean, I mean, we'll get into it, but like, like Mary says something that People might think you hit your head. People used to say that phrase, like, did you hit your head? Like, like did something happen to you? Are you crazy? You know, like, that's th how difficult this is. Even though the truth is hard to believe, a lie is even worse. If Mary was lying, it would be worse for Joseph. We got to remember that with those we love. When they say something to us, we got to remember that even the truth, it, it might be far-fetched, but the truth is better than a lie, Right? With my kids, one example I give is, I tell them, I'm like, just tell me what happened. It's better than you lying to me. Any parents in the room feel that way? Like, just tell me what happened. I just want to know. And that's kind of what Joseph does, but he goes a little bit in another direction. So turn with me to Matthew 18, or Matthew 1, 18, sorry. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And I'm going to read just through verse 19. Here. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. I'm just going to throw this out here. My wife's name's Heidi. If Heidi comes to me and says, oh, we have another baby because of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be like, What? Is that what you're going to tell me? That's the excuse? Can you imagine being Joseph? Joseph's here and he's like, uh, I don't know what's going on, but Mary, I'm not sure. Jesus' birth really happened like this. Mary and Joseph were betrothed, and it's not like our engagement. You know, when you hear someone's engaged, like the term breaking off the engagement, that's something that happens, right? When you're betrothed in this culture, it's as if you're already married, like, you're, you can't break that off unless you get a divorce. So this is pretty serious. It's like you're already married. You can't get a divorce to break it off. And so Joseph here in verse 18 is like, who's the father? And Mary goes, the Holy Spirit. 
what? No, I mean, there's only one verse here, but can you imagine being Joseph? Like, Mary, are you sure? Because I'm not sure about this. That doesn't sound right. He didn't believe Mary. And this brings us to our first point. This is so important. The deepest hurt comes from those closest to us. Can you imagine being Mary? And she, she I mean, she really believed it because that's what it, that was the truth. But it, Joseph is there. He's just, he's kind. He doesn't want to shame her. But I think it's important to note, he really doesn't believe her. He doesn't believe her because he's going to divorce her quietly. He's going to do it in the kindest way possible, but he's still like, no, no. So Mary was not believed by her husband-to-be. And I, I, think I, need to, I, I think I need to describe two things. One is the difference between guilt and shame. So guilt, guilt is you did something bad. Shame is I am bad. So what Joseph does is he says, I'm not going to put Mary to shame because she's not bad. I know she's a good person, but she's, she did something. He's certain she did something, and there's no other explanation. But what happens here is something that's so important. When I was a kid, I was told, don't assume about anything. And I recently read a book that described what happens when we assume all the time. Joseph is assuming that she lied. Can we agree on that? Assuming that she lied. He's committing what this book called a suicide. He's basically destroying the relationship because how far-fetched the truth is, but yet the truth, he can't verify that that's not true. There's no way to verify that it's not true. But he, he's not willing to believe the one he loves. So he's having trouble here. He's struggling. At this point, we go back to Mary, and Mary's pregnant. She's scared. She's hurting. She's got a husband that's a, a kind and just man, but he doesn't believe her, which probably hurts more than him being unjust. Joseph is hurting because he thinks Mary's lying because it's so hard to believe. We can't believe it. The truth the truth is better than the alternative. But yet the hurt comes from the lack of belief because he thinks she's lying. I would, I would say, again, if my wife came up to me, I'd be like, it couldn't be true, could it? it could, there's no way it could be true. Around the holidays, what happens is we often bring up feelings of relational brokenness and hurt, especially with family. And I, I was driving my daughter to school this week, and as I'm driving her there, she says to me, I saw the sun spinning behind the clouds, and she used this hand motion. And I was like, uh-huh. Yeah, spinning behind the clouds. She's six, okay? I was like, she doesn't know what she's talking about, whatever. She could tell just from that uh-huh that I didn't believe her. I was like, God, thank you for this illustration at this point because she, she did exactly what someone does when they're hurt. And she said, no, Daddy, just please believe me. I really did see that. And I was like, I, I said I did believe her. And I thought about it a bit. And I thought, why does this matter so much to her? And, and I knew that she probably saw the light reflecting off the clouds. But later she told me she was hurt because I just didn't believe her that she saw what she saw. And, and I think there's something we miss here in this passage with Joseph and Mary. I, 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 talked, I talked through the details of what, what happened with my daughter. And I explained to her that I was like, can I use this in my sermon? Because I think it's really important. And I think sometimes 
in the holidays or any time. Much like Mary and Joseph, we say, well, we love God, but we don't think he believes us. We don't think he believes us when we're hurting. We don't think he's there with us when we're hurting. We think he's very distant. And so much like them, where they're, they're pushing the other person away because they're like not believing it. There's this hurt. When my daughter said, no, daddy, please believe me. I think sometimes we say that to God because we think maybe, maybe he doesn't believe us. And I think he really, really, really does. And I think this is, what's, this is what we miss as, as, a, as a parent, as an adult. We miss this. And it doesn't matter how old your kids are. If you have kids, it doesn't matter your age. If you don't have kids, you have nieces, nephews, you have someone, you're a teacher, you're single, you always have people you can interact with. Every interaction is a teachable moment. That's what we forget. Joseph here, starting at verse 20, is going to have a teachable moment because God does care. God is there in the hurt. Joseph is wondering, she walked out on me. Something must have happened. This can't be true. These first two verses are the hurt. Mary and Joseph, in this miraculous moment, somehow still find themselves hurting. So sometimes I wonder, I, I think... What is going on here? What is wrong with Mary and Joseph? But if you read this and you put yourself in their shoes, you'd realize that both of them were going to have pain, and I would have had pain, and all of us would have had pain in that situation. And so we get to the phrase that everyone says, hurting people hurt people. And right now, God steps in in Mary and Joseph's life and doesn't let that happen. Because Joseph's starting to make plans that are going to be very painful for both of them. Jesus was not going to have an earthly dad at all. He was going. He was leaving. He was out of the picture. So this, these next verses show us the hope we have in Jesus. Starting in verse 20 through 25, it says, verse 20, But as he considered these things, this is Joseph, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, I, I like my angel voice right here, Joseph. He says, Joseph. Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. I'm going to stop here because this is not my notes at all. But don't you think it's interesting the first phrase he says, do not fear? One, you'd be afraid because the angel's appearing to you. Two, the reason he wanted to divorce Mary is he was afraid. He was afraid of what it might look like. He was afraid. There's, there's any number of things that he could have said he was afraid of. But he was afraid. He was in fear. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, and as he... He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until they had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. If you've lived and grown up in the church your whole life, you've probably heard this passage a hundred times. And I wanted to look at it in a new way. And not in a new way like not what's there. It's just this is, these are things that I miss when I, I just kind of skim over this. Joseph is sitting there thinking about what happened. Think about all the people that sat and thought what happened and then God showed up. Abraham, Joseph, there's, there's uh, Jonah, 
There's, I mean, you go through the list. There's people that just were sitting, pondering things, and God shows up. That's where the Lord appears to Joseph here. And so what the point is that God meets us in our hurt. He doesn't leave us there. Like, we're going to have pain in our lives. I'm not here to tell you that your life is going to be easy. I'm here to tell you that your life with Jesus, your burden is going to be light because you have Jesus, because God meets us in our hurt. He's not going to leave you way over here. You know what the difference I've realized is God doesn't move, I do. That's what I've realized. I started realizing that. And so when I, when I look at this passage, Joseph wasn't just thinking about how he was hurt. He was considering Mary, which I think is really, honestly, honorable. He was very honorable. Instead of the joy of being pregnant, both of them are hurt by their betrayal. Joseph thinks that she ran off on him. Mary thinks that he doesn't believe her, which both of those... One of those is true, not both of those are true, but both of those cause this, this hurt. Joseph is left thinking, Mary's lying, He's, she's cheating on me. I don't know what to do, but I love her so much, I don't want to dishonor her, so I'm going to do things this way. But he doesn't have to think for long. And I don't think God leaves us in those moments very long. Longer than we'd like. I mean, all of us would like, like God to show up like instantaneous, but sometimes we have to wait. When we wait on the Lord, the angel confirms that Mary was telling the truth. And then the angel confirms even more. The angel confirms it's like a holy gender reveal, okay? It's a boy! You know, there's blue stuff everywhere. It's so exciting. The, 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 think about this. It's like a supernatural ultrasound. They didn't have an ultrasound. When babies were born, it's like, oh, it's a boy. It's a girl. Oh, oh okay. Like the, the supernatural ultrasound. And then the angel tells Joseph, name him Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. There's no more hope than in that phrase. That is the most beautiful phrase in all of scripture. He's going to come to save his people from their sins. In our hurt, in our hurt, our hope comes from Jesus. Because, because in our hurt, we're just sitting there wallowing in our pain and our hurt. And then Jesus comes and says, I'm here to save you. He saves those who are hurting. You know, and, and I think sometimes it's really easy. People, people grieve differently and deal with things differently. And so when, when, we, when we deal with things differently, there's two responses. There's an outward expressive response and there's an inward repressed response. Both of them come out in hurt and anger but both of them show up differently. If you've ever had someone get angry at you and you're like, why is this person angry? Usually it's not you, let's be honest. It's something else that's happened to them that made them so frustrated in that moment that they took it out on you. You know, I, I think that's what's happening. It's, it's repressed, it's, it's inside. And so and it, we have to admit, we have to admit to ourselves and to God that, hey, we... Are in hurt. We're in pain. We're hurting, and we're in need, and we need hope. Because hope in Jesus is found in hopeless situations. Hope doesn't come when you already have hope. You know, if you're hoping in something else, well, that's not where Jesus is found. Because Jesus is found in hopeless situations. This visit from the angel of the Lord shows Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises of God, the promise of hope that in the future... 
There's someone coming to save us from the sins of the world. Imagine being there. You're like, nine months? That baby is going to save us from the sins of the world. I mean, at this point, Joseph's probably like waking up going, Woo! I know, I just yelled again. The mic goes a little weird. But you get excited. And sometimes we sit here and we think of Christmas and we're like, Okay, it's about gifts. I want to give to people. I want to help people. And we don't realize that the biggest gift that was given ever was a surprise. It was like, wait a second, nine months, this baby, this baby that I'm going to raise is going to be the son of God. He's going to be the one that saves us from our sins. God knows your hurt. He knows our hurt. He's the one sending the hope we need. And I think this is important if we look towards the end there. When it says Emmanuel, God with us, God is with us giving hope. He doesn't give hope and then move on. Like he doesn't stop giving hope. Verse 23 is this prophecy from Isaiah 7.14. And in this verse, it says, The virgin will be with child. Call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Only God can save us, not a man. If you come to grips with, with your weaknesses in your life, you start realizing that, you know what, I can't save myself. And you know what, I'm not, I can't do anything to save myself. And God is with us there. When you're hurting in the holidays... When you're hurting during the holidays, God is with you and waiting for us to cry out. Joseph didn't cry out. You know, that's interesting. It's just he like pondered, he thought. So internally, his dialogue's going. He didn't cry out to God, but God is waiting there for you to cry out. God, please help me with Cousin Ronnie. I just can't stand Cousin Ronnie. I just can't handle it. I tried to pick a name that I hadn't heard in a while. Please stop. Let me, let me handle Christmas. Let me, be, let me be kind to that person. You know when my brother keeps picking on me on Christmas? It's like, man, come on. Give me patience. Give me the opportunity to love others the way I've been loved by Jesus Christ. That's a huge, huge ask. But God is there. God's with us, waiting for us to cry out. There is... Moments of tension that I have personally witnessed when we choose to believe the worst about someone we love. Joseph kind of hit the middle ground because he wasn't going to like, I'm done with you right away. But Joseph chose to believe that Mary lied no matter how far-fetched the truth was. And that's where our hurt is. If we're not believed by someone we love, it's hard to heal. It is really hard to heal. Some of you may need to go home today and say, you know what, I'm sorry I believe you. And you know what? I realized today that 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 really hurt, that I didn't believe you about this. But the hope of God comes in a baby. Think about this. There's this hope. There's this little baby that comes and gives us hope. The one that came to save us from our sins. Even sins that led to the hurt that Joseph and Mary had. Those sins were covered by Jesus. That's what's so crazy. So there is a complex about this. If you, if, you, if you follow movies, there's always a Jesus character, Superman, you know, Batman, whoever it is. Now, there's a new one. It's Baby Yoda, okay? If you watch The Mandalorian, there's Baby Yoda. There's this little thing that all of a sudden, it's, there's all this mystery about it. It's a little baby, and it's going to save everybody. When it comes down to it, no matter what story you listen to, no matter what you watch on TV, no matter what you see, no matter toys what you, kids play with, no matter what it is, Jesus is the one that saves us. 
He's the one that brings hope. There's no other thing to hope in. There's nothing. We can hope in more possessions. We can hope in other things. But that's the only thing that we can find hope in. I think it was very interesting this last week being able to see and, and there's irony in this, and some of you have actually probably said something like this, but there's irony that we spend a day Thanksgiving and then stores open the same day and we're not thankful for what we already have and we need more. And I always thought that was an irony because, you know, if it's Friday, that's another day, you know? But then it's Thanksgiving. I'm like, I'm like, stores open at 2. My mom works at JCPenney's. She opened at 2. It's like she's at work at 2 p.m. on Thanksgiving because people are leaving Thanksgiving dinner to get more stuff. And that's the epitome of not being thankful. And so I sit here with, with a heart that I'm saying, if, if there's hurt and there's pain in the holidays, sometimes it's because our lack of understanding of what, where our hope actually comes from. I'm not saying you don't buy gifts for your family or for other people. I'm saying we have to go back to what our hope is found in. What is our hope? When, when you say to someone, hey, I go to church and I'd like you to come with me, what do you say? I have hope in Jesus Christ and I found it. Because I'm following Jesus Christ and I'm part of community together as a church. And that's what I'm doing. And it means something to me. Sometimes we forget that. Because I, from now to Christmas, there's only three different types of shoppers. There's one shopper that shops Black Friday, right? That you get all your gifts on Black Friday. You're just like, I'm going to get everything. There's the second one that kind of just shops nonstop. From basically Thanksgiving to Christmas. And then there's the Christmas Eve shopper. I love those people. Okay? I have, I have relatives that do that. It's like, Christmas Eve, oh, we got to get a gift, and we got our list, and we're checking it off, and da-da-da. And it's almost, it's almost impulsive. It's just like, I have to give a gift. Well, this gift that God gave on Christmas was not an obligation. It was not just another gift. We give gifts because of that gift, but the reality is, Jesus, the gift of Jesus Christ, was the gift of hope that none of us could have had without him. It's as simple as that. It's like when my daughter's saying, Daddy, please believe me. God's saying, I do, and I'm here. That's what we forget. That's what we forget. And so th- this leads to something that I think is important for us to note, what Joseph does as a response. Hope empowers us to be obedient to God. It empowers us. The angel leaves. Joseph wakes up immediately and does what the angel says to do. What's interesting is what he does, what he does takes another nine months. You just got pregnant. You know, like it's, it's not right away, but, but the way scripture does. He does not divorce her. He doesn't know her until Jesus is born, and then he calls him Jesus. I think something we forget about is when we have hope, we want to be obedient And Joseph was so obedient that he didn't want to receive any of the glory for what was going on. He wanted to give it to God. So he gives God all the glory because he's obedient. He says, Jesus is his name. And I I started to think about this. I thought, this is kind of a real reversal. One minute he's divorcing Mary. The next minute he's doing what God said. And again, an angel appeared, so that's kind of miraculous. But I think it leads to something that we need to think about. Can we be obedient even when we've been hurt? When we've been hurt by another human being, what is our first thing that we want to do? We want to get back at them. Well, I want to go 
do this because they did this. And when does it end? It doesn't end. And so he's obedient even when he's hurt. When we're hurting, we struggle to be obedient. But when we have hope, we can be fully obedient. There's no questions asked that, that hope is what causes us to have the opportunity to be obedient to what God is, has for us. We might be hurting today, but I'm here to tell you that the hope that is found through God in Jesus Christ is the only hope that is going to help you in your life. Because there's lots of other things we can hope in. You know, the brain is done, it, it works in such a way that when you buy something, when you buy something, dopamine's released in your brain. Like you get excited. Or when you get a, a like on Facebook or something, like you, you get dopamine and it, and it releases. Well, guess what? Guess how quickly that goes away? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah? Like five seconds. The hope found in Jesus is eternal. We keep seeking after these short-term goals, but the reality is it's, it's the long-term hope that is most important. Hope that leads to obedience because we have to believe this. If we're going to be obedient, we have to believe that God has our best interests in mind. We have to believe that. Today, I, I firmly believe that the only times that I was disobedient to my parents is I didn't think they had my best interests in mind. I, I'm serious. As, as a child, I thought, mm, I don't know if they know what's best for me. Or maybe we had conflicting things. They knew what I needed, but I knew what I wanted. And that's the same thing with God. We decide what we want, but really God knows what we need. So when you're hurting, we need to remember that. He's given us the ultimate hope. There's, there's smaller hopes. Like, for example, everyone has a hope that their team will win whatever championship. They're going to win the championship. They're excited about it, whether it's one sport or another sport. But that hope can be extinguished. But yet the ultimate hope, the hope of Jesus Christ, cannot. We sit here in a room over 2,000 years. 2,000 years ago is when Jesus was born. And we're sitting here worshiping him still because he's the risen Savior. He's the one that all the hope comes from. And there's no reason you should be here today. You know how I many different leaders around the world had a following at one point? But Jesus is the one that remains true because he's the ultimate hope. He's the one that overcomes the hurt, the pain we have in our souls. The hurt and the pain that, that we don't know where to, to, to take. He's the one that listens while you're bawling because you're crying because you're so hurt and you can't say anything and you don't know what to do. He's still there. He's still there. Hope in Jesus Christ is greater than all our hurt. No matter what your experiences have been in your life, I'm here to tell you he's greater than that. This last week, I had a lot of time to reflect, and as I reflected, I realized how faithless I've been at times. I just sit there, and I'm like, Jesus can't overcome this. There's no way. There's this pain, and I can't stand it, and I, I, I can't do it. And guess what? I was right. I can't do it. Because I needed Jesus. I needed him to work in my life. Churn and break apart the hard part of my heart. So that, that I could pursue him with obedience like Joseph. 
So I could, so I could stand and say, stand here and follow me. This is what we need to do. This is, this is where we need to go. We all have an opportunity to do that. But we have to remember some things. This, this, so what? Like, like, so what? Pastor John, I, so what? I'm not hurting in the holidays. I love Christmas. Christmas is awesome. Well, here's your opportunity. There's someone that's sitting in this room, or there's someone that you work with, or there's someone you go to school with, or there's someone you talk to that is hurting. And this is the best opportunity to talk to them about it. And listen. You ask a question, really open-ended question, let them talk. Share what, what Christmas is to them. You know, I've met people that have four or five Christmases. I thought that's crazy. So Christmas is just really chaotic. It's not a time to reflect on the year. I've met other people that stay at home and watch TV by themselves. Christmas is not, for, I mean, it's not something that everybody's excited about. So we got to remember that. And as the church of Jesus Christ, we need to come alongside people. So when these things happen, when they're hurt, we can be there. Because we're a part of Jesus Christ's ministry on this earth. So, so what? The deepest hurt comes from those closest to us. And that's where God meets us. That is where God meets us. The deepest hurt comes from those closest to us. I can't count the amount of times where I've asked someone about their family and they've said something like, well, I don't talk to that brother anymore, or that sister, or that cousin, or that parent, or I'm estranged. And I sit here and I go, the deepest hurt comes from those closest to us. Mary, when Joseph didn't believe her and he went off to think, I'm sure she's thinking in her head, he's going to leave me. He doesn't believe me in tears. And that is the moment that God met Joseph to turn that around. And we can't forget this around the holidays, that God is with us, giving us hope to replace the hurt. And that same hope leads to obedience. We, we can't forget that. Because when we forget what the hope is, we're just as lost as everyone else. When we forget what the hope is, we're lost in what's happened to us rather than what God's done in us. And so we got to remember that. As we, as we go through Christmas, I just want to encourage every one of you, find a way to not just give someone some material possession, but give of your time. Encourage somebody. You see someone struggling, the first thing that we're called to do is come alongside someone. We're called to love one another. This is the perfect opportunity. Because guess what? No one thinks around Christmas, oh, that's weird that someone bought me my drink and then wanted to have a conversation with me. No one thinks it's weird You just because people do that around Christmas. Well, I want to tell you right now, and this is what I want to end with, that we as a church need to not look at that as a Christmas thing because the hope of Jesus Christ is not a one-day-a-year thing. It's an every-day-for-the-rest-of-our-lives thing. And so we cannot forget that. After Christmas, we're not going to stop giving as a church because all of a sudden it's past Christmas. We need to realize that generosity and giving and the hurt that happens in the holidays happens year-round. And so we have an opportunity to be messengers and ambassadors for Jesus Christ that are bringing peace and hope to the whole world. Every single one of us does, no matter your age, 
no matter your background, no matter how much you've been in church in your life, no, no matter what you know, no matter if you've never opened a Bible and you're sitting in this room wondering what I'm talking about, it doesn't matter. But we have an opportunity to bring hope to a hopeless world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just ask that you'd allow us to give hope. You'd allow us to, to speak hope, to think hope, to, to encourage others towards hope and that hope in Jesus Christ. Let us not forget this Christmas that, that even if everything is great in our lives, that we have an opportunity to help those that are hurting, that are struggling. God, help us to be a church that is united in our pursuit of being, being hope dealers. We're dealing out hope to everyone around us, giving hope to anyone that, that is willing to listen, giving hope to people that just need to be heard. God, help us to be a church filled with people that are passionately pursuing you in everything that we do. We say all this in Jesus' name.